Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? I have a 30-second video from when Warner was about nine months old that shows my cousin holding him in our living room. He is captivated by her very existence, but then comes his laughter. She found a way to tickle him that evoked a noise we had never heard him make before. Over and over again, he makes a squeal of laughter that sounds of unadulterated joy. The laughter of a child is a pure kind of wonderful. There's another kind of laughter which sets me at ease and settles my soul, and that is the laughter of familiarity. One of my teammates in college was irresistibly funny in an understated way. We got to the point in our friendship where we no longer had to use words, but could elicit fits of laughter from one another simply with our presence. We did and still do affectionately refer to one another as giggle buddy. Perhaps you too have had the experience of a laughter that makes you feel known and seen in a genuinely wonderful way. But these are not the only kinds of laughter. There is also that which is used as a weapon meant to intentionally wound those at whom it is directed. There are countless examples of this in the dark corners of the internet, on playgrounds where bullies own a corner of real estate, and in professional settings where vulnerability and honesty are not valued. The cruelest experience I've encountered with laughter is none of the above, but instead a biological distortion of the gift of laughter. My uncle died of Lou Gehrig's disease about 15 years ago, and the manifestations of the symptoms of the disease are the opposite of many of the memory-related diseases with which we are familiar. The person's mind stays sharp, but they are robbed of the ability to display their thoughts or emotions, leaving one trapped in the body. In the last stages of the disease, my uncle would cry at times that we were all laughing and laugh at times when we were all close to tears. It was the cruelest perversion of the gift of laughter. Laughter is an incredibly powerful tool, both to experience and to receive. It is a physical manifestation of an emotional response. We use very tactile words to describe our experiences of laughter. Side-splitting, infectious, bursting, in stitches, roaring, or cracking up. It's a visceral manifestation of the experiences that may elicit some form of laughter. In its full complexity, laughter can be deployed both as a weapon and as a healing agent and everything in between. In this morning's exchange between God and Sarah, it seems the range of these experiences is covered with the power of laughter. So I wonder what Sarah's experience with God might be able to teach us about laughter. Sarah is one of the more memorable female characters in the canon of Holy Scripture. She is not the only, but one of a select few who are known for the miraculous qualities of her womb. But more importantly, and for our purposes this morning, Sarah is memorable because she gives birth to Isaac, who becomes heir to God's promise that Abraham's descendants will be as numerous as the stars. Isaac becomes the second patriarch of Israel, 
He's a big, big deal in the lineage of Israel and in the fulfillment of God's covenant with God's people. This makes it all the more interesting to note that the root of his existence, the very name he bears, and the spirit in which he is brought into the world is laughter. In the first part of the narrative, you'll notice that Sarah is not the one being spoken to directly, but rather is spoken of and overhears the prophecy as it is delivered to Abraham. You'll forgive me then if I imagine her laughter is a complicated response. If we are to presume the most textually obvious one, perhaps Sarah's laughter is dismissive. She's just heard a completely absurd suggestion and laughs as a means of discounting something that is far-fetched. Equally possible is a suggestion that her laughter might also be a means of self-protection, as a prophecy involves a long-held desire, one that she's had to go to great pains to dismiss from her heart as a possibility. Finally, in this initial exchange with the Lord, Sarah denies her laughter altogether. The laughter of denial masks the fear of uncertainty that has just been spoken out loud. All rolled up into one, we find the possibility of dismissing, self-protecting, and masking of fear, of, and a masking of fear and uncertainty, a multiplicity of emotions and responses covered by this thing that we called laughter. But that's not all. Holy Scripture makes note of an even more dangerous type of laughter, that which is used as a weapon. I don't know that it is present in the narrative with Abraham and Sarah, but it is worth mentioning because it is found throughout the life and ministry of Jesus. One has to look only as far as our gospel reading from last Sunday, when the mourners gathered outside the house of the synagogue leader laughed in Jesus's face at the suggestion that his daughter was dead, was not dead, but simply sleeping. Additionally, I imagine there were countless weaponized responses from the disciples towards Jesus that were accompanied by laughter that was meant to diminish his tremendously ambitious instructions. Finally, at the end of his life, Jesus is mocked by those in authority and all those who witness his crucifixion. The inscription that hung above him on the cross, the cruelty of those in the crowd, and the taunts of the criminals who hung by his side, none of those acts are separable from a laughter that is intended to wound and harm. There is undoubtedly a painful and cruel way in which laughter can be deployed. And scripture also brings us the deeply healing experience of solidarity and sharing laughter with another. Sarah experiences the manifestation of God's promises coming to life in the form of her son, Isaac. Sarah says, God has brought laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. Sarah is a witness to the seemingly absurd becoming reality. But more universally, she is a witness to the transformative power of laughter. Her experience with God from start to finish is marked by laughter in ways that are painful, healing, and life-giving. God offers Sarah a different and holy experience of laughter. Jesus does the same thing for us. Throughout his travels and ministry, Jesus is not deterred by those who weaponize one of God's greatest gifts of the human experience, laughter. 
Jesus is not slowed down by those who mock him or ridicule him. Jesus comes alongside those who are harassed and helpless and offers a familiarity with the divinity of God. The gift of his presence is to transform the very experience of humanity that humanity has both in this life and in the next. And the Beatitudes Jesus offers, blessed are you who weep and mourn for one day, you will laugh. There it is again, that very physical manifestation of an emotional experience, a resurrection of sorts from weeping to mourning to a different, a resurrection of sorts from weeping and mourning to a different and holy experience of laughter. Indeed, it seems there is nothing too wonderful for the Lord. Amen. Amen.